your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to uh, Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Could do it right now. I don't have a guest until a couple of minutes, and that's going to be Robert Craig. He's the executive director of Citizen Action Wisconsin. It was going to be State Rep Jill Billings, but if you haven't noticed, and you probably haven't, the state legislature has been in session since 10 a.m. today. Uh, one of the things they did do today, I believe, is they passed, in the assembly anyway, a 14-week abortion ban in a kind of a weird way where it would be like a, on the referendum, it would go on a referendum ballot and then the state would vote for it or something. And if it passes, it's like a binding referendum. So this is always weird because the state legislature took away communities' rights to put things on a non-binding, in a non-binding way, put things on a ballot. Um, and then last election, when Governor Evers wanted to put the some kind of non-binding abortion ban question on the ballot, the GOP legislature denied it. <laughs> so, and these are non-binding and this one's apparently binding. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that works. I guess I didn't, it's it's a little weird to me, and and maybe Robert Craig from Citizen Action Wisconsin can help me better understand that because it's it, and they have uh, they've had uh, some people in the in in the state today, I believe. I think they're down there actually, like talking about this. They have they have uh, statements on their Facebook page as well. But some other things that went on yesterday, we 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 in the state assembly would say the the the, the other thing that the state assembly is doing without like any public hearings or aside from the session that they just here it is and we're going to vote on it is they passed new maps and they took what they call Governor Evers maps. This is super funny, is they took Governor Tony Evers maps when the state supreme court said, "Hey, redraw the maps. We'll pick you know we'll pick uh, from." from whoever submits maps, seven groups submitted maps. We talked about this a little bit last week, and we talked about it on the Democratic Voice podcast with William Garcia as well. Uh, seven groups submitted maps, and then the GOP said, hey, we'll take Governor Evers' maps. Before we let the state Supreme Court pick or redraw the new maps, the new voting maps for the state legislature, the Senate, and the Assembly, we'll take, we'll take the governor's maps. We'll do it. Except... And then they changed the maps. So they didn't, it's just so funny. Like we're going to do, we're going to take the governor's maps, but we're going to change them. So there are maps. Well, then you should have just submitted those maps because you were one of the groups that submitted maps. Um, they, they, they also tried this a while ago with the quote unquote Iowa model, which Brad Paff and I talked about on Monday where they said, Oh, the state Supreme court flipped to a liberal majority or a progressive majority. And therefore, they're going to redraw the maps. Hey, why don't we just change the model in which we draw maps? Because they see the writing on the wall. These maps are going to change, and they're not going to change for their benefits. So anything they can do publicly to make it look like they're trying to do the thing that the, we've been calling for on the other side of the aisle for 12 years. They've been so they or maybe 14 years. Uh, so they've been. <laughs> They've been doing that over the last couple of months. They, they proposed this, what's called an Iowa model. So while they proposed 
We're going to use Governor Tony Evers' maps just this week, yesterday, even though they're not Governor Tony Evers' maps. They changed them. A couple months ago, they said, we're going to use the Iowa model, only it's not the Iowa model to drawing maps. It's their own model that actually gives them more power than and the, the current system that we have that is also broken. So we can get into that stuff. Um, President Biden was in Wisconsin today, I think, or Minnesota. I'm not sure which side of the bridge he was on, but touting this uh, um, couple billion dollars for a new bridge and just talking about infrastructure, which is a deep. I, I don't think anyone's passed an infrastructure bill since even Obama. I don't think Obama has passed an infrastructure bill. So it's been that long. So, you know, it's kind of funny that Biden is the one that got an infrastructure deal done. And then now he's, you know, campaigning on that right now. And that's exactly what he's doing, because do we need President Biden in Superior talking about building this new bridge? Probably not. But obviously, this is how campaigns work. All right, we're going to break for news and we bring on Robert Craig. He's the executive director of Citizen Action Wisconsin. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom in the studio. He's not in the studio. He's on the phone. On the phone with me is Robert Craig, the executive director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. The guy I've been trying to get a hold of and get on the show a couple of different times. It just hasn't worked out. And then I call you last minute because Joe Billings couldn't make the show. And sure enough, you're free. That's a great timing, Robert. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm late at the office because we got a public hearing uh, right nearby that I'm waiting for. So perfect timing. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, so I, I kind of I kind of ranted a little bit about before the before the you came on about the new maps and then also the abortion thing. So uh, I think I, I want to talk about the the maps first. Um, we're, we're the governor's going to what? Well, everything that we're doing right now in the state legislature, we're voting on the governor's going to veto anyway, right? So the, is this all just posturing and and trying to get just the like get on get on radio talk shows? <laughs> well, I think there was more to it this time, uh, though that's what it amounts to in the end. Um, because Voss, Speaker Voss, the, the powerful speaker of a gerrymandered majority legislature, was guaranteed a huge majority. Uh, he does not move this much and keep moving in the keeps negotiating with himself and moving the governor's direction. And he's tried this time to say he's adopting the governor's map map proposal. There were seven proposals into the state's uh, Supreme Court, and there are nonpartisan experts evaluate them and come up with the maps. And uh, he has now tried tried to create this facade that uh, well, we don't need to have that process. We're going to adopt the governor's maps with small changes, which meant. Uh, carve-outs to protect incumbents that are in the legislature and want to be protected, right? Yeah. Uh, which is kind of sleazy. And then uh, try to induce the governor into signing them. Now, the only reason he would do that, because he is about getting the biggest majority he can, no matter what, is that he thinks that the likely results from the Supreme Court will be worse for him, in other words, fairer, than, than the Evers maps, and the Evers maps are the least advantageous of the Democratic proposals for the Democrats, for Democrats in the legislature. Uh, I had a little bit of fear about this because Governor Evers, his, one of his greatest strengths and one of his greatest weaknesses is he loves a bipartisan compromise. So it's, it's a strength that he's looking for them, because when you can do something across the aisle that's constructive, you should, but the danger is he may be induced to uh, uh, to cut a bad deal, right, and and jump into something he shouldn't. 
So I was relieved when he came out today and said he would veto this latest scheme. What we don't know is, I talked to one legislator, who I shouldn't name because it was an off-the-record conversation, uh, that he's concerned that if Voss comes up with that sweetens the pot, that it's not out of the question that Governor Evers would seriously consider it. But at this point, that danger is passed, and therefore this is meaningless. Governor will veto their maps, and the state Supreme Court will decide. And frankly, that's the way with these nonpartisan experts they've hired who have impeccable credentials to just get fair maps where election, where voters get to decide who controls the legislature, not the politicians in the legislature. Yeah, we're already paying the guys $400 an hour, which, uh, you know, seems like a lot. But uh, apparently from who I've talked to, that's kind of the going rate for uh, map makers or map reviewers. And we've already started this process. So, you know, like when Voss hires Michael Gableman to do uh, an election investigation of 2020 and he does that for for like a year and then and then Voss fires him and says, never mind, you didn't find anything anyway. And you were working out of a public library at a public computer um, and it was all weird. Uh, We'll just fire you. And then two million dollars of public money, taxpayer money goes poof. Uh, Why would we do that? We've already hired these guys. The process is in place these guys are, are getting paid, so why not use them if they're the best in the country at ma- uh, reviewing maps? Yeah, and the people of Pennsylvania and Virginia, where they did this, they've had gotten very good reviews, and that's including from Republicans. So I know they'll be messaging from the boss side claiming they're some kind of hacks. Uh, the, the majority, the new majority, actually... Um, hired very down-the-middle kind of map drawers that draw very objective maps. So I think the voters are best served by letting them draw it. And then we don't have this situation where even if you think uh, the Evers maps are good and then not many people, I mean, it's really complicated to compare the seven proposals, right? right? But let's assume that. Why on earth would you let sitting legislators demand that they be protected and lines be redrawn for their benefit? It's absurd, and so you won't have that with these map drawers. And guess what? If you happen to to no longer be in a position where you're in a district you can be easily elected in, uh, then, you know, such is life. We we redraw the maps every 10 years, and you're either in the district or you're not, and people do move into districts, but it's your choice, right? Or if you end up in with another incumbent, well, you know, that's the, you don't have an entitlement. It's amazing. They think they have an entitlement uh, to these positions, regardless, like they are some kind of nobility that has, a, that, that, that has earned some kind of permanent status. Yeah, and uh, it's just funny because like, we, we have the process in place. And, well, I had a friend analyze some of these maps the Governor Evers map, but just the section. And he said that the like part of the, the conundrum here for Republicans is they want to change the Evers map. So, A, they're not going with the Evers maps. But there's three state senators in the Green Bay area that literally live six miles from each other. So do we is that how we want the, this to be? And I don't know if that's coincidence or if I don't, I don't know if that's that's normal. But but they, they you know, they've 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 uh, carved out Green Bay in a way that three Republican senators can all live right next to each other. Well, the lines are so weird and twisty. That's why this is happening. They violated the state constitution flagrantly and created districts that weren't contiguous, that literally had parts of land that were not connected to the rest of the district. 
and that violates the plain language of the of the Wisconsin state constitution. So they're really weird maps. They were designed to take a fifty fifty state, right? We're very closely contested. It's why we're gonna we're gonna see President Biden and his and the whole administration constantly here in Wisconsin because of that. But then we have a situation where Republicans are guaranteed two thirds of the assembly seats and a supermajority in the Senate seats. To do that, you have to create very convoluted districts. And I didn't know that, but it, that's interesting. It means you have a situation where, yeah, they can live six miles apart and be in three different districts. Yeah, it's it's a little, and maybe it's normal. I mean, if uh, if our state rep here, Jill Billings, lived on the north side of La Crosse in the Onalaska state rep. Steve Doyle lived on the south side of Onalaska. They would live right next to each other, but I don't know where you would get the next. I guess you would. They would yeah, both they have get to the push three. That says a lot. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you remember back at before Uber and Lyft and the apps. And uh, if you're in Washington D.C., the taxis didn't go by meters. There were zones, and the zones were set up in such weird ways that a cab driver could deliberately go through. A huge number of zones that kind of give you a much bigger cab bill, and it, it seems like the districts look like the old DC cab zones, you know, taxi cab zones were. Oh, that's really weird. At, at what point in time, Robert, do we do kids not know what taxis are? <laughs> uh, pretty quickly, except in you know some cities that have tried to protect them, right? Right, I suppose. Uh, because you, I don't know. I was in I was in a city like Phoenix, which is more wild, wild west in December, and I didn't see any taxis. I did see as Uber and Lyft have competition from uh, a service that has no drivers, has those autonomous cars. Oh, yeah. I did not. I did not risk that. That seemed to <laughs> apparently that's a thing in Phoenix. This is like the new Superman movie. He can't change in a phone booth anymore. Everybody was like, why did he? What is that thing? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, they, they watch the old movie. What's a phone booth? Yeah, What's right, that? for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Robert Craig's the executive director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And I because it was such a flurry, Robert, and I wanted to get you on, and it all happened kind of as Billings had to uh, to bail on me um, because they're still in session. And I, and I brought you on. I start, we, started, got, we got right into the maps. But can you, can you tell us what Citizen Action Wisconsin is? <laughs> well, we're a statewide membership group. We're about to have our 40th birthday. So when we, and uh, we work on big issues, uh, get people involved so that people influence our, our, our policy at the state and local level, not, not just the big uh, special interests. And uh, we really do, we are around the state because we think uh, you have to represent all Wisconsin uh, in order to really have influence. And we have uh, chapters, membership chapters, we call organizing co-ops. So there's a lacrosse-based uh, chapter called the uh, Driftless Organizing Co-op. So we have a lot of members and, and a dedicated organizer in lacrosse, yeah, and that includes the surrounding county. Yeah, and I've had Christ, I had Christy tweet on just a couple of weeks ago. From that Great, chapter. yeah, she's our dedicated organizer for those of your listeners uh, who know her. Um, all right, so let's let's go, let's move on here. Oh, well, just just continuing with the map discussion. Um, also, like when when they say they're going to take Governor Evers' maps, and then they they don't, they change Governor Evers' maps. They also did this a couple of weeks ago with the Iowa model. Are we done talking about the fake Iowa model because it's not the Iowa model? Actually, it's worse than the system we have now. Apparently, uh, that was like it's about. It was, it was even more fictitious. You're right than 
the Evers maps are being voted on, right? Something called, they called the Evers maps. So they, they had this idea that Governor Evers had at some point said he liked the Iowa redistricting model. And what that is for your, uh, your listeners who are uninitiated, in Iowa they have a commission. So the politicians don't draw the maps. Uh, nonpartisan, nonpartisan body does. And so that has led to a much more evenly split uh, congressional delegation, for example, as far as partisan preference in districts, even though it's a redder state. Mm-hmm. And so that is um, so th- that is a good model. They put a poison pill in it where they said, okay, we're going to have the Legislative Reference Bureau, that's a state agency that works for the legislature, draw them. Then they bring them to the legislature. Legislature can reject them. They bring them back. If they reject them again, then the legislature draws them. So, in other words, the legislature, if they don't like them, are going to reject them twice and redraw them. So it's just kind of a Trojan horse. It's really they get to totally control the map. So it's a little like, I don't know if you remember, the Soviet Union's constitution was the best in terms of individual rights in the whole world, except there was a poison pill provision that said, except that the Communist Party's decisions overrid all, overrode all, which means none of it was worth the paper was written on. That's what the Iowa model from Robin Voss and the Republicans amounted to. It seemed like objective, nonpartisan map drawing, but it really wasn't. Um, I'm off the wall here, and I don't know if you're up to date on this, but the is this what Texas is doing now with the federal government in, in terms of, like, Texas is trying to pass state laws that are crazy, and the federal government is being uh, kind of like on immigration and the federal government's like, no, these are the laws. Um, and, and, that, and a fight has ensued. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the federal government. And Texas said, screw that. We're still going to do the thing. Have you seen that? Yet? Yeah, it's getting <laughs> close to kind of like, you know, before we had secession, before the Civil War, we had a doctrine called nullification where the state of South Carolina tried to nullify a federal law. Uh, that was both not only overturned, but uh, President Andrew, Andrew Jackson uh, threatened to use the army against South Carolina if they didn't back down, which they did. Um, so we've had that argument before, but yeah, that, that the immigration laws are a national issue and they're under the control of the federal government. They're about our international borders. We have treaties uh, and, and, all, and all sorts of constraints, and there's international law. And the governor of Texas has decided to send the rangers down and do things like put barbed wire fences up, which have already caused a couple deaths of, uh, of, of asylum seekers. And so they, and they, so they have now lost in court and they're, 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 they're trying to ignore it, which means nullify it. So, uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, it may be like, Another camp nullification actually was remember when some southern governors tried to bar desegregation of their state universities, and the governor of Alabama, George Wallace, stood in front of the doors of the uh, University of Alabama, and the deputy attorney general had to be set uh, sent down with troopers, and he did step aside and not cause a constitutional crisis when they uh, walked in the door with the two first black students at the University of Alabama. It's going in that direction. It's wild. This this isn't good for uh, what what's happening, right? When we're starting to reference 1960s politics in 2024, like, hey, it's right. happening George again. Wallace. When's the last time you heard heard, heard that name on your airwaves? Uh, you, you know what? I think I had to Google it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Robert Craig's going to hang out with us for a little bit.
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me is Robert Craig, the Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Robert, I was just looking at your Facebook page. Uh, you, you guys have you, you're you're calling out the legislature on a, a couple of different things, uh, including one of them is you, you you posted a story about like schools and and falling off the fiscal cliff. I guess I, I literally had the superintendent on um, yesterday, the Lacrosse School Superintendent, and talking about how they have a three million dollar budget deficit every year for the next five years projected. <laughs> and. We have both parties actually claiming that this was a good deal on education and the budget when we had a surplus. Right. So we've been underfunding public education chronically, budget after budget, because we have a gerrymandered legislature. Now we have this huge surplus, and we have a little bit better budget, but not enough to to uh, make up for all of the stolen revenue, basically. It's stolen. And I mean, I say stolen because... The state actually has made a commitment to adequately fund uh, public education, and they made a commitment years ago to fund two-thirds of it, which they, of course, have, have welched on. And so, and I think this is something where the governor needs to be clearer. The governor has, and at least the people who message for the governor, right, his political team, want to say that everything that happened, the budget was good because they think that that is good for his brand, that was positive, but you can't do that. When the evidence is that there's going to be school closure after school closure, uh, lots of teacher layoffs, and uh, and every and and, so, and record numbers of districts having to go to referendum and raise their property taxes, and property taxes are a much more regressive tax uh, than income tax. This really should be coming from the state's income tax because that makes sure that the wealthiest pay the highest percentage in their fair share. Property taxes, as you know, they're not as bad as sales taxes, but they fall more heavily on middle and, and moderate income people than, than income tax does in the proportion. So we're not funding public education adequately, and we're and you, you will not be able to ignore the facts. So I don't think there's any messaging your way around that. I would have liked to see the governor in the state of the state. He said some great things in the state of the state. Mm-hmm actually call for and be clear about what real full funding of public education would be and advocate it. Because then, when we get fairer maps, candidates would have to defend their record on that. And that's what democracy is supposed to be about. Uh, Incumbents who voted for this budget uh, should have to go and defend that decision to the voters. Okay, so, and and with that, the... the Part of the not part of the budget, I guess the the other part of they they kind of pulled this out of the budget to pass it on their own, maybe to make headlines. The shared revenue deal, and um, that that was supposed to give cities and communities extra funding. And Lacrosse got about a million dollars, I think. Except that we're closing a library branch because we don't have enough funding, and we're not hiring um, position open positions on the fire department. We're not allowing the police department to get raises. Uh, so, and then the shared on top of that, the shared revenue deal also disallowed communities to put non-binding referendums on the ballot. So, if like uh, Lacrosse County said, you know, what, we want the state legislature to know how we feel about so and so issue, let's put it on the ballot. No, the state legislature says no, you can't do that. And then moving on, the state legislature now today um, in the assembly passed a 14-week abortion ban that's going to go on the next ballot. And the Republicans are going to get to write this question in a way that probably will sound great for, you know, like whoever's reading it and go, yes, I want to vote for that. 
And I, I guess I don't know how it works because why why do they get to put something on the ballot? Communities can't. And then why do, is that going to be law or am I confused there? Yeah, and you mentioned shared revenue before. That was uh, touted as a great deal. It was only better than the starving of local governments of <laughs> the last several budgets by this legislature. It still was insufficient, and we're still in a situation with a massive state surplus where localities are making huge cuts. It's really bad in Milwaukee, I know, where, where, where I'm talking to you from right now. Yeah. Um, so then the abortion ban, it is my understanding, and it's a ban without... Um, without any exceptions for rape and incest, okay? This is a very extreme thing. And do you know what the author says when asked about that, since it's a 15-week ban? Oh, well, they can, they, well, they, they, they'll just need to take care of it in the first 15 weeks. Right. Um, so it, it, it's, it's quite unbelievable that after that point, yeah, because you, you would have to carry a child a term no matter what. Um, and so that is a very extreme position. But it's my understanding that the legislature, and maybe you'll have another guest who's a, who's a deeper expert on this, it's my understanding that the legislature can't force a binding referendum except in a constitutional amendment. In that case, they can't do it just in one legislative session. They have to wait two years and pass it again. Okay. And so this would have to be signed by the governor. The governor has already said he's vetoed it. He will veto it, and therefore it will not appear on the ballot. And so I think it's a, it's a dead letter that the, how it would work depends on a scenario that isn't going to happen. That is the governor signing this proposal. Okay, so it's another one of the things where uh, one of the branches of the legislature decides to do a thing. Governor Evers goes, do the thing, but I'm going to veto it. So, you know, what's the point? And then they do it anyway? We keep doing no, this. No, no. I don't think it goes on the ballot if he vetoes it. Oh, it won't go on the ballot at all. Okay. That is my understanding. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you may get an even deeper expert who says otherwise, but I've never heard. I wonder why the legislature hadn't gone around the governor and put uh, their own questions to the ballot earlier. They could change laws and void the veto entirely if they could do it without the governor. You see, it wouldn't make any sense. That's the only way they do laws, if they could actually do this without a governor, so the veto. So I don't think the governor vetoes the referendum. I think the go- uh, after it goes to the voters, I think it never goes to voters if he vetoes it. Oh, okay, because why, why wouldn't they just put it on the, the ballot and then do the constitutional amendment thing? Because just, just Well, because they may not have a majority next time. Also, it might not pass? <laughs> well, next time, they could, if there are fair maps, which is what they're most afraid of, then they don't have a legislature, and then uh, potentially, depending on the election goes, in the next session that would pass it again. You have to pass a constitutional yeah. amendment twice. Oh, I get that. I'm saying the voters won't pass it. <laughs> like they might, right. Well, it just... depends if they can. They'll try to find some way. But, you know, even Kansas and Ohio, their legislators tried to choose really low turnout elections and word it a certain way, and it still got, they still went down in flames. So I think you were probably right. I think they know it's not going on the ballot because I think they know the governor's going to veto it. So it's all a charade. Uh, most likely, if it wasn't a charade, I mean, it makes no sense. They'd never do anything other than this because the governor wouldn't be able to veto right. anything for real. They could just put, you know, kind of fakey, certain worded questions up and get all of their policy put in, in, into law over the governor without his say so. Well, and that goes back right back to the maps, right? Because they almost have a supermajority in both branches of the, the, the government, the, the Republicans do. 
And if they had that, then they could pass whatever they want. Uh, I had Steve Doyle, a state rep here, a Democrat, on a couple months ago, and he said he had COVID, and he was uh, lying in his office listening to sessions. And uh, the Republicans called it called back in late. They called back into session late to to uh, do governor veto overrides or override governors uh, decisions. And Doyle like waddled with COVID into the you know, wherever they're doing the session and they all groaned. He said it was like a harmonious groan from Republicans because he showed up because if he wouldn't have showed up, they would have had a supermajority vote in the assembly. I'm glad Steve told that story. We know him well. He's, he's a system action member. And uh, so that is the situation under which assembly Democrats are living. You have this artificial majority. that would never be possible without a rigged system, right, given the close partisan balance in the state, right? and they have to worry about the Republicans going quick into session and having a supermajority, and so a certain number of legislators have to be within driving range at all times. So they, they, they live this way this whole session, and you have poor Steve Doyle with COVID. I don't know that he really wanted to be listening to session right then. He could always catch up on the tapes later after he felt better, right? You don't right. really feel a lot of energy. I only had COVID once, but you were very low energy when you have COVID. You're crazy. So he's probably trying to keep himself awake. He's lying down, and he has COVID. Then he finds out he has to, like, drag himself into Madison. I hope there was someone to drive him. Yeah, no, he said he was in his office. And what happened was two Milwaukee legislators had left to go back to Milwaukee for something. So it left them. It left him as the last man's lying, I should say, and not standing. I remember I one of our uh, one of our allies here was very upset about those two uh, representatives because apparently they did that without much notice. So I've, I've forgotten which ones it was, but it was it caused it caused bad almost a, See how quickly the Republicans were ready to try to get get iron, you know, full full rule and do what they wanted, waiting for their opportunity, waiting for the right person to have COVID and two people to leave unexpectedly. Yeah, and I think it was like forty bills that they wanted to like override or something like that. It was it was kind of ridiculous. It just shows how undemocratic they are. I mean, why would you want to make law that way? I mean, it's completely illegitimate. It's like we will get away with whatever we can get away with by any dirty trick imaginable. Yeah, definitely. That's Robert Craig. He's the executive director of Citizen Action Wisconsin. He's got 30 seconds to get to his meeting. I gave you 30 seconds, Robert. Is that enough time? I'll make, I'm a couple blocks away. I'll make it. All right. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. Thanks again to Robert Craig from Citizen Action, Wisconsin, for joining last minute as Jill Billings still in session. It might have been out of session, but I think she was worn out if they were out of session. I was looking at the weather here because it's raining and it's January. <laughs> like, okay, I was just looking at the temperatures. Oh, I got to go to hourly. Hourly temps on weather.com. Can I drive home be- with without this stuff freezing over? That's what I want to know. How is it? How is it out there right now? So 36 degrees. Looks like it's not. Wow. It's uh, it's going to stay above freezing, right? 32 degrees of freezing. It's going to stay above freezing all night, according to this, according to uh, weather. It's going to keep raining, but it's going to stay above freezing, which is good because the idea of raining and then it freezes means I'm not getting up my driveway. <laughs> so uh, that looks safe as as far as I could see. But I guess, you know, when you're driving and you got the little temperature thing on there. 
maybe just check it to make sure it doesn't get below freezing because then the roads will get secretly slippery. Um, all right, so pretty interesting conversation. I didn't get to, to throw, I did during the break, but there was just, there was some other things. The school thing seemed more important to talk about, but my, my theory with Citizens United in terms of like, we need a, we need a state like Minnesota. Wisconsin would never do this, but Citizens United's like that Supreme Court decision that essentially made corporations people. Um, and it just, it led to an explosion of campaign funding, uh, which gets out of hand. It's probably good for a radio advertising business. Uh, so I probably shouldn't rail against it, but on, in the real, in real sense of the democracy, it, it's, we probably should do away with it. But like, like the abortion bans that were going from like Texas and other States that directly went against Roe v. Wade and led to the Wisconsin or the United States Supreme court overturning Roe v. Wade. I just don't understand why there isn't a Democrat. I guess it would have to be a democratic led state because Republicans don't want to go against citizens United, which seems weird, but apparently nobody wants to go against citizens United, but a state should just write some rules that directly oppose citizens United. And therefore it will go through the court system and make its way to the Supreme court. And then the Supreme court will have to decide whether to keep citizens United, whether to allow corporations to be people and, you know, donate as much money as they want to campaigns or if it should get overturned. And whether or not it gets overturned, if we have a 6-3 conservative majority, they probably won't overturn it. But at least you could take that to the ballot, to the voting box, and go, hey, this is what we tried to do. It didn't get overturned. This is what the Supreme Court is made up of. These are who uh, appointed these people to the Supreme Court. And maybe if you elect a Democratic president... And a Democratic-led Senate, if another Supreme Court justice comes up, you know, for a Senate vote and a, a nomination by the president, then we would have control of that. You would just take that. It would be a political thing. Or or the Supreme Court overrules it and or overturns Citizen United and then problem solved. But we don't see that because why secretly all those politicians love to have all those uh, corporations donating to their campaigns, right? And I'll I'll be the first to tell you that don't completely understand Citizens United, but I do understand that that is a thing that's not happening as we don't pass laws that directly oppose it, like a bunch of states did to directly oppose Roe v. Wade, and then get that to the Supreme Court, and then allow states to have rights, right? Like state rights. Uh, I do that in air quotes for anyone watching on Facebook Live, so... Um, yeah, just, it seems like a, like a good strategy and Minnesota is a democratic led government. They have, uh, they're a part-time state legislature. So maybe, maybe I should get a, a, one of the Democrats in the state legislature to come on the show and maybe, or the Republican. I think Jeremy, Jeremy Miller is like one of the most powerful Republicans in the state legislature. I could ask him. He's the Winona Senate, Winona state Senator. Uh, I'd be curious what he thought would, thinks of uh, Citizens United as a state senator. Um, anyway, coming up on the show tomorrow is UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Is it Friday? It's Friday already. So, uh, and we'll see like what kind of like I, I think we're going to talk about this stuff again a little bit. But we always have a couple of wacky stories that we come up with during the day. Um, last week it was that Applebee's thing where Applebee's was if you paid two hundred dollars, you you essentially got. gift cards that you could use on anything but alcohol. And um, they sold out in like two minutes. They crashed the website in like two minutes. 
And Applebee's didn't disclose how many of those they sold. But my conspiracy theory is that they sold like five of those because that's a terrible deal for a company. $30 gift cards, 52 of them for $200. Doesn't make any sense. I'm guessing they just wanted all the free publicity they got. And look, and they they got some more of it from me. Um, But anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow.